Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Welcome to TKO on Joe together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show with you every Thursday. This week, I'm very pleased to say our guest is rising US star Devin Haney. Uh, fresh off the back two weeks ago of a win over Zao Abdullayev in Russia. Puts him in the mandatory position for Vasil Lomachenko's £135 WBC belt. An absolute pleasure to have you here with us. I know you've had a very busy week uh, in the UK. Lots of interviews, lots of travelling. And you sparred yesterday, didn't you? First off, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my schedule has been, you know, crazy busy since I've been here. I've been getting a lot of love. Um, a lot of people, you know, have been embracing me while I've been here. And uh, yesterday I sparred with Ricky Burns at the Matchroom uh, gym, and it was, great. it was great. 20 years of age, we were saying on the way here. Mm. But if you looked at your CV and everything that you've achieved, you, you've almost fit like 12, 15 years of experience into those last three or four years. Yeah. It's been an unbelievable journey. The last 12 months... Obviously, you've had a huge breakthrough, and it's been great to see you doing so well. Does it feel like you've lived a lot more than three or four years in the program? It feels like I lived a lot longer just in life than I have. I feel much older, much more mature, but I'm only 20. It feels like he's been around a long time as mm-hmm. well. Just, I think it's probably because people have been talking about him for so long. Mm-hmm. I turned pro at 22. I didn't box for a world title until I was 26, and you're just about to do it yeah. already. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's insane. I mean, the story, people are starting to hear a little bit more of it now. I'm on one of these um, boxing nerd forums, and I can remember your name being mentioned, and I went back, because I can remember the guy who I'm still friends with, uh-huh. saying this kid's putting stuff on, on YouTube, and I'd watched two or three of your fights, and then obviously missed about 15, and then heard your name again uh-huh. when you signed for Matchroom. And the story will start from the kind of beginning. A lot of it's to do with the relationship between you and your dad. You started boxing very, very young, First amateur, about eight years of age. At what point did it become for you something that was going to be more than a sport? When did it become, this can be my career? When I first started boxing, I was playing football at the time, and I didn't really like, I liked boxing because I liked to fight, but boxing wasn't as fun as, you know, football because when you're young, you're seven, eight years old, nine years old, you know, you're still coming up as a team sport, football, and you get to see your friends, and, mm. you know, it's, it's just more fun. You Boxing is a lonely sport, even to this day. So, um, coming up, I didn't really, like, it wasn't my favorite, and then I started, as I got older, I started to grow into it and started to like it more, to the point where I said, I don't even want to play football anymore, I just want to box. At that age, I was about 10 or 11 when I, when I decided I was just going to just box. And then when I started getting really serious is age 13 to 14 is when I really started just dedicating myself and really starting to, you know, really focus in and realize that, you know, this will be my career. Because in the gym, right, you know, as well as I do, when you go in, you see some kids that have gone in there for the first time. Some kids have just got something when they're learning and they pick stuff up. And remember people always talking about Amir Khan and how quickly he acquired skills, you teach him something. Mm. But you've got to have the dedication and the commitment to go with that natural talent. My old amateur coach will kind of tell you that you probably know from the first week if a kid can do something, because although they've never boxed before, they have just the you know fundamentals and they can move and they've, they're just real sportsmen and athletes. Mm. And you can tell that pretty early on as a kid. You can kind of tell it about me. I'm pretty sure you could tell it from Devin. They said that about you, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. My first day in the gym, I trained with a guy named Derek Harmon. Uh, he fought Roy Jones, he fought in uh, some big fights or whatever. Uh, he told me that I was a natural on my first day, so. Wow. So from from there, 
your dad has been, you know, you can't, well, he's your dad, but he's your mentor, he's your friend, he's guided your career to the point that you're at now. So you've gone through the kind of amateur system, you had over 180 amateur... I had 138 amateur fights. Right, okay. And you only lost like five or six, right? Eight, I lost Okay, eight, yeah. fine. So, I mean, that's a serious record. Mm-hmm. But you're starting to get to the point where, as an amateur at the top of the game, you have to look at the Olympic cycle and you have to say, well, am I going to stick it out for this Olympic cycle? Mm-hmm. Am I going to move to the next one? Now, before we get to that point, we were just speaking to your dad uh, off camera before the, the show. You guys actually came to London for the Olympic Games yeah. in 2012. What do you remember of, of the Games? I remember that I went to go watch Clarissa Shields fight for the gold. That's all I really remember of, of the actual games. But I was in London for a whole month. So I was training here at the, at the Peacock Gym. Yeah. So I remember a lot about that part, but not too much of the games. Were you part of like the... Because in the UK, we've got the Elite Institute of Sport in Sheffield, where if you're part of the amateur setup, you kind of are based there full-time. Any point of your career, were you at like the US sort of training centre yeah, full-time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at one point, I was there more than I was even home. Um, I was at the Olympic Training Center for months at a time, uh, training in Colorado Springs, traveling all over Russia, Italy, um, Dominican Republic, all over to prepare to go to the Olympics. Because at the time, obviously, Shakur Stevenson, fast forwarding four years, was was at Rio, a silver medalist at Rio. Mm-hmm. Was it Carlos Barderas? Was he your? Would he been your weight division? Yeah, he 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 went one thirty two. Yeah. 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 So at that time, were you thinking I'm going to try and qualify for for the games? Was that in your remit? By that time, I was already I was already professional at that time of the Olympics. But, I had already had quite a few. But you, I mean, but, quite a few but, it, but the reason you turned over was because obviously the yeah, head yeah, yeah, taken yeah. off. Once, but, once, but in sort of like 14, yeah, 15, were you yeah. looking towards Rio and thinking? Yeah, That's yeah, what I yeah. Of course, of course. Like I said, I was fighting overseas. I was preparing to go to the Olympics. Um, but once I got the news that I wasn't able to, and it was a for sure that you know that they were taking the Hagers off, bumping the age up, I said, well, you know, what sense does this make? I'm gonna be fighting the some of the best fighters in the world with no headgear for nothing. It made yeah. no sense. Mm. The decision then has to be: Do you wait around for the next Olympics, or do you try and Makes crack the pro game pretty early on? And obviously, the decision looks like it's about to be right. You're on the verge of fighting for a world title before the next Olympics mm. even come around. Yeah. The difficulty of being a fighter in the US, right? It's in the UK, boxing's huge here, but it also competes with, well, football, rugby, cricket, but there's, there's, they're much smaller sports to compete with, yeah. given what you have to compete with in the US. And you've got so such a huge, massive land to try and make your name known. So in the UK, once you've got a city behind you, you can actually build a good profile. Whereas mm-hmm. for you in the US, it's like, where do I possibly start? You've got no Olympic pedigree. You've got no real profile. So you actually were one of the pioneers of this kind of YouTube movement. Exactly. But how did you how did you know that this would work? How, how did you predict that this I is mean, gonna work? I really didn't know. Um, you know, <laughs> just first it just started off with just like posting like videos, just regular videos, like me training. Just the average thing, you know, just putting it out on Instagram, YouTube, just regular stuff that the average kid would, would, would probably do. Like, you know, my little brother is thinking about putting videos of him playing the game, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I was just posting videos of, of me training and then, you know, it just started to, to buzz a little bit more and a little bit more and then people started just like seeing like my crazy like combinations on the mitts with Floyd Senior and crazy sparring sessions and then people just started just to look into it. So you live in Vegas, mm-hmm. but how did you first get the link up with Floyd Senior in the Mayweathers? When I was young, Floyd Senior came to a gym that I was training at and then that's when me and my dad met him. And then him and my dad spoke and then 
over the years, my dad, you know, just started taking me to, my dad would take me to Floyd Sr.'s house when I was, when I was really young. He would take me to his house to train. But at that time, he didn't really have much patience for me because I was so young and I would, you know, not listen to some of the things. So he said, come back when I was older. So when I got older, my dad took me back to him and then basically how I started working with him. Because his influence stylistically on you is, is really obvious. I mean, watching the Abdullah fight as well, you can see yeah. the, and the, the Philly shell for me, like there's, there's arguments as, as to who kind of created it. People talk about Georgie Benton, but for me, the best example of how to use the Philly shell is, is Floyd. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's flawless in his use. He's only really been caught a handful of times clean in his whole career. Remember the Shane Mosley fight in mm -hmm. round two. But it's a style that a lot of young US fighters try to put into their, their game plan, but not a lot of them use well. But you actually are one of the, the people that's yeah. coming through that actually understands the mechanics of how to use the Philly shell. Yeah. I guess the Mayweathers have been crucial in helping you understand that, right? Definitely, uh, the Mayweathers have you know, installed that in me. But one thing, my, my dad was like, he really was the main one that he was like, you need to learn this now. You need to, because this opportunity is not going to always be around for you to be able to, you know, train with Floyd Senior, train with Roger. This opportunity is is not going to always be around. So get it while you can and, and buy into it now. So that's pretty much what I, what, what I did. It would be times when Guys would spar me with eight ounce gloves, and my dad would tell me, "You have to, you do the shoulder roll. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it." And it stuck with me now. It's a dangerous style as well, and you have to be able to do it well. Oh or, yeah. Or you, you get knocked out. Well, so, I hate to say you look look at Anthony Yard with with Kovalev. Yeah. You can't just stand in that position and expect not to get hit. You have to roll at the right time. You have to understand what what you're doing and where your hands are. One, one of the best ones, and it wasn't a guy who ever had this style, but. The knockout frat against Groves, where Groves tried to roll away, mm -hmm. and it's not his yeah. style at yeah. all. He's probably never tried to do it ever in his life, mm. and frat put him to sleep. Yeah. So you need to be able to do it perfectly, and, and obviously Devin can. It's really cool when you see young fighters who've been influenced by some of the greats of, of whatever era, but another man who I know you work with is, is Mike McCallum, and I was looking at that kind of whipping long right to the body that you throw. It's quite an unusual shot, and the other thing that's impressive is Younger fighters tend to neglect going to the body, especially early, because yeah. you see a lot of guys, they're hungry, they're young, they want to make a statement, and they headhunt because they think that's what you should be doing. You want to make a statement to the crowd, but you have so much patience for a guy that's 20 years of age. I know you've got a lot of amateur experience, mm -hmm. you've had a lot of professional fights, but you're 20. Mm -hmm. And to have the mindset to go in and be able to pick shots to the body, to sell shots with your eyes downstairs, go upstairs, all those things that take, you know better than anyone, years and years of yeah. practice, even as 20. I would like fall in the trap, and that's what I liked about your last performance, like I would fall in the trap sometimes where you think you have to please the crowd. You just went about your work, it was like your job was perfect and it was a hurtful job. You took your time, you were patient and you got rid of them in the middle. I remember thinking at 20 years old, would I have been able to do that? Absolutely not. Yeah. And um, that's what's frightening about it and that's what's exciting, like you're 20 years old, you've got, still got 15, possibly 20 years left in this game. Definitely. I think the sky is your limit. Is it quite surreal for you, all of this, still? Because this has been your year where you've burst through the bubble yeah. and everyone knows who you are and everyone wants to talk to you, everyone wants to interview you. Yeah. I know you've done a lot of interviews, but are you still at points, like, in the last 12 months, just going, what is happening with my life? No, yeah, definitely. This is all a dream come true. Like, everything <laughs> is, like, falling into place. And this was my breakout year. This is the year that, like, Everything that I dreamed of finally came true. So how did you make contact, or, or how did Eddie Hearn make contact with you? What was the first point that you and your dad knew that there was a chance that you would sign with Matram? 
the first time Eddie ever like Eddie DM me on Twitter and he just like said like congratulations on on one of my fights or anything and I just told him thank you and then after that somehow I don't really remember how like it how exactly happened but they reached out to my dad and then it just went into negotiations from there. I remember those first conversations where you just guys going this, what's, this might what's, be it. What, what's kind of crazy is. I was getting offers like from everyone, like literally everyone was offering at the same time. So it was like one day would be this person and then the next day would be this person and then the next day would be this person. I'd be like, Dad, are you serious? Damn. And like he would, like, he would really wake me up every day and be like, oh, this person called today or this person called today. So it just was just crazy. So you signed the deal. You've now moved to 23-0. and We'll come on to your current position in a little bit. I think the other thing that's impressive, and again, keep mentioning your age, but it, but it is, is the kind of foresight that you seem to have in understanding how important marketing yourself is. Because especially as far as Eddie's concerned, Eddie needs to know that a fighter can fight, but yeah. as importantly in 2019, he needs to know that they can sell a ticket. Yeah, of course. And I, I think that's what people forget to keep a promoter happy as well mm. and to keep the public happy that are watch, paying to watch your fights. I think it's very important. But Eddie... He's one of the top promoters in the world. He knows what he's doing. It's different in the UK because, like you said earlier on, when you're from a city like me, Belfast, the whole city gets behind me and they back me because boxing's such a love sport and they all love it. But you've got so many other sports to compete with. This is where Eddie Hearn will be. It'll be worth it. It'll have to be worth it. He'll need to pump everything behind you and promote you and make you the star that you can't be. Mm. Because, of course, you're you're now... You know, potentially months away from from your first world title shot. I know there's a few things that have got to happen in order for that to fall into place, but it's there now, and you're on that cusp. And it's interesting to, because you could suddenly become a world champion uh, at such a young age, and then potentially, as you say, have got ten, maybe fifteen years left in the yeah. game. So it's a, it's then about how do I build this into a huge brand? How do I become a global star? What is it that you think you have that some of the other stars of the sport, say Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, what do you think you have, or even have the potential to have that those guys haven't got? It's a lot of great fighters. A lot of fighters can fight, and that's only one part, as we know. But me being 20 years old, that's just like a lot within, like the, I feel like I can attract the young crowd as well as the, the older crowd mm. as well. And I just feel like I have that it factor that other fighters don't have. Because obviously we've, there's a couple of your rivals, right? Ryan Garcia has had a similar kind of path to you. Yeah. Again, he's big on the social media platforms, mm -hmm. Instagram and, and YouTube. I know your thoughts on what would happen if those guys met. I mean, you beat him twice in the amateurs. But again, he's somebody that just off that profile alone is doing very, very well. So it's proof that the market and the game is changing, certainly. Of course, of course it is. I, without being disrespectful to Garcia, I said it off, off her and here to mm. you that... I don't think that's a fight for you. I think it's a comfortable win. We're already linking Devon with guys like Lomachenko, who he's mandatory for now. Mm -hmm. Another really exciting fight, I think, would be the Javonta Davis fight at some mm -hmm. point in the future. Yes. So these are all the, these are the top guys in the round them weight divisions, and that's who we're talking about Devon fight. Not not Garcia yet. Maybe Garcia can can keep building the profile. Obviously, he's got a massive online following, but it's not everything. Is it? It's not everything. It's not everything. You sparred Tiafima Lopez as well, haven't you? Yes. How long ago was that? 
maybe like a year. Okay. Like a year. Yeah. And and was that the first time you sparred together? Yeah, that was the first. Time. And the we, last we, time we sparred twice. Okay. We sparred twice. Like we sparred like on a Monday and like like maybe like a Wednesday. Right? That's often what happens. Or isn't like it? a Wednesday and like a third or Wednesday and like a Friday, something like that. Okay. So did his team bring you in for for, for sparring? Did they contact you directly or? Yeah, they they reached out to us. To they wanted to spar, and that was. How was it? Oh, uh, it was good work. Kind of made a name off of me. He went to the world saying that he stopped me and that he beat me up and, and all these crazy things that never happened. And when I heard it, I was like, I thought that it was just like like trolls. Like people were just like, um, just like making up stuff for like clickbait. Yeah, yeah. But I like when he was actually saying, I couldn't believe it because that was not the case at all. In fact, he really couldn't hit me that much and he was getting really frustrated. He was throwing like all like these wild punches and he couldn't hit me. So he was getting really frustrated. But, and then we sparred again and pretty much the same thing happened. You know, it's boxing. And I, I don't like to ask about sparring and high spars yeah. go, but they brought you into camp and they asked you to spar. You sparred them twice on whatever, on yeah. Wednesday or a Friday. This will probably be able to answer the question without asking the question. Did he ever invite you back for sparring? No, he never invited me back. Yeah, you know, no, the, that's, the, the that's second it. time, the second time, he didn't even say bye to me. Really? <laughs> yeah, he didn't say bye. Like he did, he just left after. Gym. So after you wrote those comments, did you ever like reach out to him? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, we, me and my dad saw him at the fight, and my dad spoke to his dad, and his dad said that he was just that he was just doing it like just to build a fight up. Like he was just like, cause at this time nobody really knew about Tiafimo Lopez. Like he didn't break out yet, mm. so not a lot of people knew about him. He kind of made a name off of me. How do you feel about that? Because it's, it's something that would annoy me. I know what, yeah. obviously people try to build yeah. fights and stuff, but when yeah. it's just bullshit and they're telling lies. Yeah. yeah, like. How do you feel about that? When it first was going on, like, I hated him. Like, I really didn't like him at yeah, all. Yeah. But then I realized that, you know, it's boxing and, and these things happen. You know, it comes with the territory. So as I got older, I just was like, oh, it's okay. Like, mm. one day, hopefully, we make the fight happen and I show the rope. I think I'm sitting in a room with two guys that have probably got a better record against Mexicans than anyone outside of Mexico. <laughs> you were like six from seven or five from six, I think, aren't you? And um, you, I've done the research. Like that, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I've done it before. I, I mean, you've won plenty of fights against Mexicans. I'm interested to know your plans going forward because the Floyd Mayweather model in his later part of his career was so successful because he tapped into the huge fan bases on Cinco de Mayo mm -hmm. and Mexican Independence Day, 16th of September, and he fought a number of guys, you think of like Sir Marcus Maidana twice, Canelo Alvarez, Robert Guerrero, Juan Manuel Marquez, Miguel Cotto, all of those guys, and he made something like 13 million views in total just from those guys alone. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not including Pacquiao, the mm -hmm. McGregor fights. Given that you've, you're so used to fighting Mexicans, you've been out there, you've done it, is that something that you think you may take advantage of when the time is right, when you've got those belts and you're starting to tap into trying to become a pay-per-view star? Yeah, that's what sells. That's what fans like to see, the, the Mexican versus the American, or that's like the Puerto Rican versus... That's just what, what sells. And yeah, of course, I'm going to try that's, to tap that's in. That's when the promoter becomes worth his weight in gold. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, Addy will obviously do a job. And you know, we have guys like Devin who... Potentially, you need it. You need big names. That's Canelo's date at the minute. Mm. Potentially, it will be Devon's date at some point in the future. Because it's interesting when you become that crossover star for for Mayweather, it was the Oscar De La Hoya fight. Another guy with Hispanic roots. Canelo, I mean, he of course had so many fights before he really broke onto the, the mainstream mm -hmm. stage. Mm -hmm. He lost that marquee fight against Floyd. Yeah. If you were to to get a, a fight against someone like Vasil Lomachenko, and let's say hypothetically. You, it, Let's say you lost on points. Mm -hmm. 
that's not the worst thing in the world for, for a 20-year-old, to go and lose to arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. For Canelo Alvarez, it was the same thing. It actually made him the fighter that yeah. he is four years on. Yeah, people and, have probably forgot about the Canelo and Mayweather yeah. thing. A lot yeah. of them have. It was so long ago, and, and Canelo is he, the number one guy in the division. He learned so much from or that. In, in boxing, not the division, in boxing at the moment. Yeah. And a lot of people forget um, Lomachenko lost as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it was early in his career, so they yeah. they give it a pass. And one thing about me, what I've been saying is, I'm not afraid to lose. I'm I'm willing to to fight the the top guys to entertain the fans and you know make the best fights happen. If I lose, I'm a man. I could take a loss. I'm okay with that. But I do want to fight those top guys because me personally, I believe that I can beat them and I will beat them. That's the type of attitude I like to see because mm. I think that's what's missing from a lot of boxers. You want to take risks and understand it's it needs to be important and and the, everyone involved need to understand that a loss isn't the end of someone's career if you're in a fight and you've you've put everything on the line you've lost maybe a close decision doesn't mean the end of your career what you have to do and what has to be important is you're in exciting fights and i think you're you're going to be in exciting fights yeah 100 percent Okay, we'll be back with more from Devin Haney in just a few moments time right now though here's news of something brand new on joe with john amici my day job is helping businesses thrive through disruption. This show is not about business. It's about people who go from nothing, a seed of an idea, something that everybody thinks is completely impossible, and build it into this massive, massive, massive business. There are a thousand different ways to be a huge success. One of the most interesting things that we're learning is that how people are failing is almost as important as how they succeed. In fact, it's integral. It's business. Pioneers is having really honest conversations with people, talking about their business, their objectives, their purpose, whether they're just out to make a ton of money and then quit, or whether they really want to change the world. Pioneers on Joe. Listen to it. Download it. Watch it. I had nothing profound to say. <laughs> Joe presents TKO, together with 32 Red. I mean, you sparred some of the best in the world, Sean Porter, Floyd Mayweather. How many rounds have you done with, with Floyd? I sparred Floyd once and we did six rounds, six five-minute rounds. And how did you find it? Oh, it was great. It was a, a wonderful experience. I'll, I'm thankful for him to give me that experience, especially towards the end of his career when he didn't have to. That's something that, a story that I can tell for the, the rest of my life, you know. Yeah. Me being able to, to spar Mayweather is like someone, you know, playing basketball, saying that they got to play Michael Jordan one-on-one. So that was a dream come true. How old were you? Uh, 18. Wow. Did he, how did, did he take liberties or was he, is he okay? He like, take, does he, he like, take what? what? I say like take liberties. So was he trying to? Oh yeah, no, it? no, yeah. He was, <laughs> he was he, yeah, he he was he was trying to go like he was going like his everything on me. It was good competitive sparring. Was that in the build up to was that the McGregor, uh, McGregor fight? fight yeah, it was McGregor okay. Fight. That was like two or three years ago. I was I was at it. It was bizarre the amount of people that thought Conor McGregor was going to win that fight. Yeah. It was just insane. I yeah, was they, on it. I just went for a bad weekend. They saw the fight. Of course like they did. Yeah. I don't think McGregor ever believed he was even going to get close. Yeah. No. Um, the next day he was like, we've had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the the kind of the, the most um, valuable advice you've learned from, from Floyd? I've learned so much from him. Um, Floyd's taught me, you know, many things. How to you know, get out of danger, like if you ever get hurt, how to get out of that. Because actually I have to say on that note, sorry to interrupt you, but his survival mode against Shane Mosley in that yeah. second round is one yeah. of the most remarkable things. Yeah. People don't talk about it enough. They talk about how good his chin was, but 
That shot, that right hand from Mosley lands. He does a little bit what you do, kind of sells the sells the shot downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right hand kind of comes yeah. over the top, but in the same motion, Mayweather catches and pins his right arm so that he yeah. can't pull it back out. And then he ties him up. And his, the survival, given that he's not a guy that has to go into survival mode very often. In fact, that was the first time I think I've ever seen him in survival mode. And that's where a lot of guys go wrong. They don't they don't know how like when they get hurt what to do and they panic and that's when you get knocked out or the you try to hold and you don't know how to hold and then you get hit with unnecessary shots and they stop the fight or you, you, you get up too fast. And they don't prepare for that. They prepare for going in there and trying to knock a guy out. They understand that you are gonna get hit and you gotta know how to react when that happens. So what is the key, to stay calm? Stay calm and uh, <laughs> and you gotta uh, meet Floyd Mayweather and ask him because I can It's straight secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been down, uh, you know, two or three times in your career. What's oh, it? Not two or three. Well, two, two again. Two. Sorry. Two or three or <laughs> Sorry, I did the old three in case there was another one I'd forgotten. But, yeah. But in that moment, I guess you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah, you do. I think the times I was put down in the same fight twice, in the same round twice, and it was a strange sensation. And I remember. It's different, so the Warrington fell. I'll come on to that in a wee minute, but I get, when I get hit by Gonzalez, who put me down twice, mm. my debut in America and stuff, I was going in, this big, tall, skinny kid, I'm expecting to blow him away, and he hits me, and I felt like, oh, but just been shot. That's what it felt like. But it was okay, and I got up. In the Warrington fight, I'm talking about being able to react and know what to do. Warrington nailed me in the first round, and Warrington's not a noted puncher. Going into the fight, I knew it was going to be tough. I never thought he could hurt me. Mm. It doesn't really suggest in his record he no, hurt me. No. And he nailed me. And the big mistake that I made was I stood and I fought instead of doing what you, you know, you're talking about Mayweather, tying him up and holding on and survival tactics. My game plan went out the window. I stood and had a fight with him. It was like, it's real novice childish stuff. And I'm like, I'm a two-way world champion. I should know better. But it shows you that even at my stage, you make silly mistakes. Yeah, just about learning from the mistakes, I guess, mm. at this stage, isn't it? So talk to me about plans because... TFM Lopez, Richard Comey meeting uh, December for the IBF. Mm-hmm. Um, Lomachenko, it makes sense for him to wait for the winner of those two, and then the winner of that becomes undisputed at £135. In the meantime, you are going to sit and wait, but you're not. You're going to get out and get active. And there's talk this week about this KSI Logan Paul thing that's going on. Um, are you going to fight on that, do you think? Yeah, well, it, in fact, it's looking like the interim title is bumping up to the world title. So that'll be great, and I'm happy about that because a lot of people had it confused, like I'm just looking for Lomachenko because, oh, I don't like him, or he's just somebody who I just can't stand and I want Lomachenko, I'm just obsessed with him. No, that's not the, that's not the thing. I want the belts, and he has, he has the belts, so that's why I wanted to fight him. But the WBC title is bumping up to the world title, so I'm happy about that, and it looks like November 9th, uh, I'll be defending my world title when it happens. Interesting. And what do you see as your career weight? Do you think you'll stay a lightweight? Is there a limit for you? Will you go up to, to 140, perhaps? Because you're pretty tall. I yeah. mean, meeting you today yeah. is... Yeah. Yeah. I, looking at him, I, I thought initially, just when I seen you there today, I was thinking, because I had it in my head, like, you know, he's young, he's, he's yeah, a lightweight yeah, now. Yeah, so. How far can he go? But I was thinking when I seen you, when you walked up me, this guy could... Be easily be a welterweight right that's now. That's what I thought. That's, I why I said, I, that's why I said, I said, you're 130? Yeah. <laughs> you're a short hour, like, yeah, yeah you're trying to match, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the 135-pound division is not easy for, for me to make at all. It takes a lot of sacrifice, mm. a lot of discipline, 
So I won't be at the 135 pound division. I'm happy that uh, it's looking like I'm gonna get a world title there because I wanted a world title before I moved up. I don't wanna, I didn't wanna miss the 135 pound division and yeah. you know skip the division to be a multi-weight uh, world champion. So um, I wanna get a world title there, maybe make like you know one or two defenses and then bump up to 140. By the end of 2020, be 140. Okay, great. Yeah, because once you go up, it's very hard to go back down. No, you, you, can't, yeah. you can't really go back down, I don't think. But you've got the frame to, to go up a few weight divisions, possibly even light middleweight as well. Mm-hmm. You look at Canelo, Canelo's not a big guy. Canelo's 5'9 like me, so mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm like 5'9, 5'10. Yeah, he's just 5'9 wide as well, that's yeah. the problem. I guess with Floyd, the interesting thing about the stylistic comparisons is, is from what I see anyway, is not the, the 147 Floyd, it's the, the like the 130 Floyd. That's the way you fight, the spitefulness of the jab, the shot mm-hmm. selection, the aggression. But as he went up the weights, his power was less impactful, so he had to be more defensive. Mm-hmm. And that's when we saw more of the Philly shell and we saw more about his defensive IQ. And I guess it correlated with, as he got older, he got smarter and wiser, so he became a technically better fighter and was able to compete at guys who probably naturally a little bit bigger than he was. Yeah, and I think that you have to adapt as your career goes on. Like Devin, he doesn't know what the future holds for him, and mm. you know I'm sure you'd agree with me on mm-hmm. that. There's guys he's gonna will potentially be talking about. You know, there may be mega fights for him in the near future with other superstars who haven't even turned pro yet. So you don't know what the future is gonna hold, mm-hmm. but um, you just have to adapt. And, and obviously, as he gets older. The prime example of someone changing their style, Mayweather is one, but the prime example of someone changing their style as they've got older is Bernard Hopkins. Mm. I think. Oh, yeah. you know, he's a quality fighter, most exciting fighter, turned in this defensive genius then mm. towards the end, slowed everything down, and used to old man people. Yeah. Um, he's still a long way off that yet. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, a long way off. I mean, James Tony's a, another one that comes to mind, but they always say that the best fighters with the most sound fundamentals are the ones that can carry on after that some of the physical attributes have maybe deteriorated so once that raw speed that you have now which at some point in your life will go it yeah. might be when you're 33 it could be when you're 36 at that point that's when how good are your fundamentals what do you actually have in terms and of I, and i think that's what happened with roy jones i think he he relied on like being so athletic much. and speed in the beginning of his career and so when he slowed down guys started catching him and that's when he started losing because he lost his speed and his athleticism. Yeah, so unorthodox that once that speed goes, mm-hmm. yeah, much yeah. easier to read and to react yeah. to. Um, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Whatever happens you. in the next six months to a year, it's, it's been exciting to watch the journey so far. Thank We're looking forward to seeing your success. World titles are, are there without a shadow of a yeah. doubt for this guy. I completely agree. And um, I'm as excited as the rest of the boxing world about seeing what unfolds. Good man. Well, listen, I know you're jet-lagged and you've got, a, you've got a flight to catch in a couple of days' time, so I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay. Before you go, um, we have a section of our show that we're going to do with you. This is the 32-second challenge with 32 reds, so I'm just going to list you some words I've got written down, and I want you to say the first thing that comes into your head, OK? It's like quick and sharp, OK? So I need you on the ball. OK. Your dad. Love. Mexico. Boxing. Missing out on the Olympics. Mad. YouTube. KSI. Floyd Mayweather Senior. Floyd Junior. Uh, Floyd Mayweather Junior. <laughs> uh, Ryan Garcia. Massive fight. Tiafimo Lopez. Liar. Lomachenko. Belts. Luke Campbell. UK. Uh, Eddie Hunt. Great promoter. <laughs> Best person you've ever sparred. Floyd. Oh, it took him a while. Who else was the other one? Who else was in the running? Who else was it? I don't know. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, money or legacy? Both. Okay, I'll give Good you answer. that. Good answer. That's the right answer. It is the right answer, yeah. Um, and boxing. Love again. Good man. <laughs> Devin Haney, absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much for joining Thank us. You. Thank uh, you, guys. On TK. Thank you at home for watching another episode done. And Dusty will be keeping track of Devin Haney's progress, and no doubt we'll have him on again in the future. Thanks for checking TK out, and we'll see you again, as always, next week. You've been listening to TKO on Joe. Together with 32 Red.